I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboy Show. It's your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, is my co-host, Seth. And with the new NFC East division leaders, another victory week three. Let's go. I was hoping you were just going to yell the victory again. I changed it up a little bit. I don't know. I was, but it worked, and it got us a win. So if we lose this week, I'm blaming it on all of that. Oh, okay. And on this week's episode, as always, we'll be breaking down the big week three victory on Monday Night Football. It was a very, very impressive game on both sides of the ball by the Dallas Cowboys against our division rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles. Before we get into that and then uh, review the big game against Carolina Panthers coming up, the 3-0 and Carolina Panthers. Seth, news notes, anything new this week? Uh, there's really not much. Um, <clears throat> I can't remember what date it was. Maybe you do uh, Friday or Saturday is when Keanu Neal officially tested positive for COVID. So he's out this week. Now, there's, there's no way because I think he's unvaccinated, so there's no way that he plays this week. Uh, Bradley Anai, he was on the list last week. Uh, we look for him to come back at some point this week. Um, as far as any injuries from last week to this week, there's no new news as far as that goes. So that's good news for a change. It seemed like, you know, the last three weeks he's had something, whether injuries or COVID or whatever. Um, so, so far, so good this week, and back to business as usual. I'm going to knock on wood after you said that, just to make sure, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to jinx the, the good week that we have going so far, but that has been a very pleasant surprise this week. No new injuries, nothing real new to update, especially as physical as that game was with the Eagles. There's some tension, you know. That rose, I, th- I think at one point we were on their side of the sidelines. I texted you, I said, yo, Randy Gregory needs to get out of there. He's going to end up giving them a first down when it was like third and 15 or something like that. I'm like, he's going to get an unnecessary roughness. He needs to get out of there. That things was when were- the game was still close, <clears throat> too. So. Correct. So things were getting a little bit chippy, and it was, it's good to get out of that game healthy. The, the Eagles had a few big ones. Um, but a lot of their stuff happened by the time the game was pretty much decided. But but unfortunately, they had some injuries, and it's kind of just um, – I mean, as Cowboy fans, we know that better than anybody. It's just the name of the game, and, and a lot of it 
you just hope and pray that the team gets in and out healthy every single game and that you walk away with the W. And we were lucky enough to do that this week. Seth, with that, why don't you go ahead and start talking about what you saw last week. It was a very impressive game, uh, both phases, and, and I'll fill in. Yeah, I, uh, I saw a very balanced team. You know, two weeks in a row now we've been a very balanced team. Um, you know, the stat line going around is, you know, Dak is 100, 100 – is 26-0 and 0 now when we run more than he does pass. So, um, that happened again this week, and we won, of course. So, yeah, I mean, we were very very balanced as far as, uh, you know, Dak did what he needed to do, but between Pollard and Zeke, um, they did a, a really good job. They both averaged five and a half yards a carry. I did notice something, and I told you I was going to bring it up. You know, we've had this talk about Pollard, you know, eating some of Zeke's carries. And it's true, he has been doing it. And he's looked really good doing it. He's just a, a, tipper, a, a different type of player and a different style of player. And he does what he does very well. He, You see him most of the time, he's going to the outside, and he does really well. Uh, but when the game was on the line, when we after we went into the half, it was 20-7 to 7 at halftime. And then we came back out, and I think it was the Eagles' very first drive is when Diggs threw that pick, the pick six. I mean, when when Hurts threw the pick six to Diggs, then when we come out after that next drive, we saw a lot of Zeke. We didn't see any hardly any Tony Pollard until the end of the game. Uh, so that just shows that we're going to try to beat you down with both of them at the, in the first half of the game, get ahead, and then we're going to use Zeke to kill the clock. So overall, very well around the game. Uh, defense played great. Secondary played great. I can't say enough about Diggs. Uh, you know, he's shown up and played magnificent all three weeks of the year. Uh, Brown, you know, he struggled the first two weeks. And, you know, that very first drive, the very first Eagles drive is when he got that pick. And that that set the momentum. Um the momentum went away pretty yeah, quick. Unfortunately, the momentum went away pretty quick when, you know, Dak got hit and fumbled the ball in the end zone and the Eagles recovered it. But um, it was still a good sign. You know, he didn't give up any big plays. This is definitely a, a, a much better game than he had the first two weeks. He struggled the first two weeks. And we were curious to see how he was going to deal with the faster, you know, more agile wide receivers. And – I mean, he, he did really well. So, defensive line was constantly added all night. Uh, LVE and Jalen Smith, they played, they played great all night. I don't really have much to complain about other than Zerline missing another kick. Um, that is a 25-yard extra point. You have one job. You have one job. If you can't even make the extra points, at what point or how long are we going to wait before this really bites us in the tail, just like it did week one? So, and I understand he's still coming over, you know, he's overcoming his back injury and stuff like that, but 
seriously, you got one job. You got you got to do it. You got to make the extra points at least. It's a gimme. It's a an easy putt. And whatever you want to call it. It's not you, as you easy as it used those. to be. It's not as easy as it used to be. For sure, when you were kicking a seven-yard field goal as opposed to twenty-five now, but it's your job. Like it, you got to hit those. That's like the layup line in basketball. Yeah, you, you got to make those. I mean, you're right. We're lucky enough that it didn't hurt us, but it has hurt us in other weeks. And I know you and I have been very back and forth uh, about our feelings on Greg's airline. We were very happy last week when he helped us beat the Chargers. Didn't miss anything, but then again this week. In a blowout, he missed one, and so a lot of people probably write it off. But you want that consistency. Still a concern, yeah. I mean, you look at, like, I mean, it's it's tough to compare anyone to Justin Tucker because he's going to be, like, the best field goal kicker of all time up there with Adam Vinatieri. He broke – the NFL record, of course, last week when well, he when he made the field goal against Detroit Lions. But even if you look, most of the good kickers in the NFL, you know, I don't I don't know what the hierarchy of kickers is in the NFL. I know Justin Tucker's one, and then there's a tear drop, and then two start somewhere. But the the good kickers in the NFL, you just you don't have to worry about PATs. Yeah, if it comes to the point where we're worrying about those constantly, there's time for a change. Like, that can't be in your thought, like, what if he misses his kick? What if he missed that kick and then at the end of the game? When he missed that kick, it was 20-7. to So the game, we weren't, weren't cruising at that point. Yeah, I mean that was very early in the game, so that could have that could have very well been easily a pivotal point in the game, and could have cost us the game. Fortunately for us, the team played really well on both sides of the ball, and it wasn't an issue. But I don't want to keep having the same conversations about him every week. If we got to have the same conversation every week, then we need to look for somebody else. So that's that's how I feel about it. Over. Other than that, the overall game, I think everybody played a great game. Um, if you don't have it, I'll go down and run the stats real quick, just hit or miss. Will you go and run the stats, and I'll give my thoughts on the game after that. All right, well, Zeke ended up with – he was 21 of 26. That's what, 80%? Dak. Dak. What did I say? You said Zeke. Okay, Dak. Um 21 of 26 for 238 yards and three touchdowns. He was sacked four times, though. So, and some of that was him moving around in the pocket. There was like that naked boot to the left. Yes. He ended up sliding by the line of scrimmage because he even came out, and they talked about it in the game. He's come out and said that that he's not going to try to bull guys over uh, unless it absolutely has to happen. Because back in the day, he fought for every yard and every rush attempt. Yeah. I he said noticed. he said he's learned from the ankle injury last year, and it's probably some of him, probably some of the coach, probably a lot of Jerry Jones just saying, "Hey, on first and ten, why don't you just take it take it down?" And better to start second and eleven than to go through what we went through last year. Yeah, well, I noticed uh, not so much week one. Uh, he didn't really uh, take off and try to run much week one, but week two and uh, against the Eagles. 
I did notice that he's been sliding more and just been going down. You know, you're not pushing the button too much. So um, you can tell that that whether it's the injury is still on his mind or, like you said, between the coaches and owner and everything else. So, But anyway, he had 238 yards and three touchdowns with a passer rating of 143.3. Pretty good. Um, Ezekiel Elliott has 17 rushes for 95 and two touchdowns. I already said he averaged five and a half. And then Pollard had 11 for 60. Uh, with he didn't have any touchdowns. So and then uh, Dak had nine for six. So not very not n- no production there. Um, Schultz, who was our surprising lead receiver, that just shows, you know, we got Cooper. You know, we got Amari Cooper. We got C.D. Lamb. Uh, Gallup when he comes back, you know, Wilson. Uh, Schultz has a place in his offense and. If you're spending all your energy trying to stop Zeke and trying to stop Lamb and Cooper, there's going to be times where Schultz is wide open, and that's exactly what happened on his first touchdown. He had six for 80 and two touchdowns. I still don't know how he was able to get in the end zone that second touchdown when he had five defenders around him, but I don't really care. It happened. Uh, CeeDee Lamb had three receptions for 66 yards. Cooper had three for 26 Zeke had three for 21. Cedric Wilson had two for 17 and a touchdown, and Jarwin only had one or two for 14. Uh, Pollard had one for five, and Noah Brown had one for nine. So, um, <clears throat> mainly the big three doing it, and, you know, a little, sprinkle a little Zeke in there, and Wilson being open at the right time in the end zone. So, and that's kind of the story of the game, and it was. <sighs> They went up and down the field at will for the for the most part of the game. And um, I understand that it's early in the season and we don't know exactly what the Eagles are or what they're going to end up being. But we've looked pretty good. I, I can measure against Tampa Bay and the Chargers that we're a good football team. So, uh, and this just helped sure it up with a 20-point win. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, and uh, I'll give my thoughts on the game. There was a lot of concern coming into the season about would Dak still be the same? Would he still have the the throwing, you know, the the arm strength coming off the ankle injury? Because, I mean, you throw with your lower body. That, that That's where you generate all your powers from your lower body. It's just like hitting a golf ball. It's just like hitting a baseball. Everything starts from below the waist. And there was a lot of concern of would he be able to come back and be 100%. I'm going to tell you what, he looks as good as he's ever looked. I'm okay with him not running the ball. I know the fantasy football players out there, and I've, I got a lot of Dak. Yeah, me too. But I'm okay with him not running the ball. It, it'll be there when he needs it. <clears throat> I still think he's got the ability to scramble and make some plays in the open field. But I think that that's – a that's like option three, it's option four, it's option five. Behind all the receiving options, checking it down to um, Zeke. It's just, it's not a priority. So, I, I'm not reading a lot into the Russian stats. 
a lot of those kneel downs were the victory formation. That stuff, those count as rushing yeah, attempts. Yeah, so, yeah, so that knocks into it. Yeah, that was two or three, I think. There was that so. one botched play where he turned around hand to a running back and they weren't there. So he actually ended up luckily just running to where the running back was going to run. And luckily the the line blocked it correctly. And he was able to pick up like two, three yards. So he turned a play that, that easily could have been negative three, negative four, and into positive three. So that, that was a positive for me. He's distributing the ball around. I like that he's not locking on to one guy. Whoever's open, it just it's going to make us hard to defend because one week it's going to be Amari. Next week it's going to be Lamb. And then it's, it's going to be Dalton Schultz. I mean, I, I wonder what Vegas was paying out if you bet on Dalton Schultz leading that game with, every, with the receiving options, Cooper, Lamb, Ertz, Goddard, Smith, even Rager, I guarantee you he was paying out a lot more than those guys. Oh, yeah, no question. So, it it just – it shows the fact that we've got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball right now. And Dak's just going to throw to whoever's open. And you didn't see C.D. Lamb on the sideline shrugging his shoulders and getting into it with Dak. And you didn't see Amari Cooper over there in in Dak's ear or talking to Mike McCarthy – I think this is a team that just likes winning football games. And they don't care what the numbers look like at the end of the game. It's it's the, the white man can't jump the movie. It's you'd rather look pretty and lose than look ugly and win. You know, it, it wasn't great from anyone at least from the receiving option, not from the guys you would think it would be, but it was still a win and that's the most important thing and it was a win like you said in dominant fashion. I I think Zeke's looked really Really good all three games. I know a lot of people bash him for the Tampa Bay game. You and I have talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. I'm not going to talk about it again. We talked about him last week. But especially this week, man, he was he was running hard. Yeah, That Eagles defensive line is really, really good. I, I know they were missing Brandon Graham, but they still have Fletcher Cox. At, at least he went down for a little while, and, and that hurt him. But even when he was still in the game – Zeke was turning negative two-yard carries into, like, four-yard gains. And I understand that doesn't look pretty on the stat sheet, second, you know, second and six. But when you watch the game and you see second and six, knowing it could have been second and 12, second and 13, that just keeps you in line with the chains. It keeps you ahead of the chains. It keeps you to where most offensive coordinators and coaches and play callers have – they have, you know, they got the – the Waffle House type menu is what it looks like, and they have it broken down into like third and long, third and medium. You you've got your packages, and I'm sure third and short, the options are a lot longer than third and long, oh, or yeah. second and short. It's probably a lot longer than second and long, and Zeke's ability to make something there that isn't there. That, he just doesn't get enough credit for that. He always falls forward. It's very rare for the first guy to get him. I, I just I think this was his best game yet this season, and he's looked good in all three. And, and I'm with you. The, the team has shown that when the snaps matter and we're trying to slow the game down, it, it's going to be Zeke. And, and he looked good in the passing game as well. So, a great game from him. You know, Tony Pollard had – 
10 rush attempts, 11 rush attempts. And then you said he had one catch? Yeah, one catch. So he, had, so he had 12 touches for 65 yards. What did we talk about last week? We said anywhere between 10 and 15 touches. He's easily earned that type of role. And he does bring a different element than, than what Zeke brings. A lot of the stuff that Zeke's going to do in, in between the tackles, getting those hard yards, getting those third and shorts, opening it up on first and ten, trying to keep us ahead of the chains. And Pollard can bust a big one. And that's just a positive. Well, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's like that's the only thing that I don't like about the way they've been playing him because how many times has Pollard actually went between behind the guard or between the guard and the side? He's always playing outside. So it's like when he gets the ball, defenses know he's going to the outside. And that's that's a big concern that well, I have. It's something you have to worry about later on in the season when we're playing some of those tougher defenses. And we, and we still got a tough schedule to go. Yeah, so it – but you have to hope that Kellen Moore is going to be smart enough to do that. It looked better in the red zone this week than it, it it's looked in the past. That's important. Red zone's always going to be something that Seth and I are going to look at every single week because it's been an inconsistency on this offense. I think the offensive line played pretty well. The Eagles' defensive line, as long as Fletcher Cox is in the game, he's – He's going to make some plays, and he's going to get Hargrave, to the quarterback. Hargrave as well. Hargrave looked really good. He caused the fumble. And, and then, then, and, and then it, it. it fell right into Cox's hand. There, There's still some guys on the outside. I mean, nothing like Brandon Graham for sure, but there's still guys out there. And, and that interior being so good elevates everything on the outside. But still, the offensive line played well. Tyron Smith had another good game. Beatrice got exposed by Hargrave's. He did. He got he got handled several times. Connor Williams. Mm, Connor Williams. Is, this was not Three a holds. good. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I was about to bring up. You and I were texting about it during the game. This wasn't his best game, but you know we got out with the W, and you hope it's just learning experience with how good those two defensive tackles looked, and how good Martin Biotish and Williams normally look. It was just a bad matchup. And you have to hope that this is something that we'll learn from because we, we play other really good interior players later this season. So it, it's something that we're going to have to worry about and it's something we're going to have to continue to work on and, and try to get better with. And you hope as Biotish gains more experience and, and is practicing each and every week that it gets better. Um, not a ton to say about the wide receivers. Dak's prettiest throw wasn't even completed. That rollout to the left, that deep pass oh, to yeah. Cedric Wilson, yeah. where he only got one foot in, that would have been an incredible completion that happened. That pass was beautiful. And it was just, it was a hard to catch ball. Uh, Cedric Wilson made a play on it, made a really nice catch, was able to get one in, couldn't drag the toe. It is what it is. He made the big touchdown catch in the end zone, got his feet down. Uh, that was really, that was a pretty pass by Dak. The pass to Schultz, the first one. Just getting it right over the linebacker's hand when they were in zone coverage. That was a pretty pass. Um, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, Trayvon Diggs, man, man he is everything Dialed that in. you and I talked about last year and more. We talked about him having all the traits to be in 
number one lockdown corner. It's something we talked about all offseason. Something we talked about last year when he was struggling. Everyone was saying, oh, he was a, you know, did we draft him too early? Can he not handle the big moment? And we were like, you know, guys, you got to look at the fact that when he gets beat by DK Metcalf, when he gets beat by Cooper Cup last year, he get right back up and he wanted more. And the moment was never too big for him. Even when something big against him happened, he didn't worry about it. He got right back in with the same swagger, the same confidence, and all of that next game. And that's just huge. So, Trayvon Diggs, he's going to be a big-time corner as long as health stays on him. He's such a hard worker. He, he was training with his brother in the offseason, something you and I talked about. And I think his his brother's – the way his career has gone and, and how he went from a fifth-round pick to one of the best receivers in the NFL now, his brother has always had that chip. And it looks like Trayvon's got that chip as well. And that's just big. Anthony Brown, I texted you when he got the pick, and, and I think I said something in the respect of Anthony Brown made his first play all season, and that was, that was just a joke between you and me. But that was a big play. And obviously, it. You wish we had gotten a touchback for it and could have started at the twenty, yeah. instead of at the one. But it is what it is. He he did his job. What what happens when we get back on offense? That's got nothing to do with him. Yeah, exactly. He, he made his play on the ball and he got a turnover and, you know, things just didn't work on the offensive side of the ball. Next time you hope they will and you hope that we have a better game plan when we're backed up that deep. One area that I thought we were exposed a little was against the tight ends. Goddard had a couple big ones. Ertz had a couple big ones. He also had a touchdown. When Hurts, when they let Hurts go no huddle against us, we yeah. looked very, very confused. That's something that I hope, as they're watching film this week, that's something that we work on. It looked like we were out of alignment a couple times in no huddle. And it could be you know, Parsons played defensive end again, so I understand Jalen Smith and LBE are veterans and they played a ton on the field, but there something wasn't right. Yeah, and you got to hope it's something that's going to get fixed because if it doesn't, there are teams out there that will expose it, and then we'll have to burn all of our timeouts on the defensive side of the ball because we can't just keep letting guys run free the way we did at the beginning of the second half. So that's one th- that's that was one big thing that and some of the offensive line play were some of the things that I was concerned about. I can't say it was a 100% flawless game and in the NFL it's it's rarely to have a perfect flawless game, but those those are two things that I saw that I, I think still need to be worked on. You need to make sure that we're set ready to roll in the uh, no huddle game when when offenses go up tempo and play no huddle, you got to make sure we're able to match that, and we're able to match up accordingly. Um, for the positives on defense, another one: Oso Digizua. I know you didn't want to say his last name, so I figured I'd do it for you. Yeah, he played fantastic. He's every week getting better and better. Um, Dan Quinn said all week last week that. Last week was his best week of practice. And when they asked him earlier this week, were they surprised at his play? 
And he said he's the type of player that is a very diligent practicer. He's a very deliberate practicer. He, he uses what he learns in practice, and he takes what he does in practice and brings it over to the field. And he said types of he said players like that are almost always going to exceed on Sunday. So if, if this is how good he looks in just his third week, I wonder what the ceiling is for him. And something else that you and I talked about before going on the field or before coming on the air to record, and we can get into this maybe a little bit after uh, I finish kind of giving my thoughts on the game is, Neville Gallimore was a player that you and I talked about. We talked about him being the best player in the interior line. Now, I know we rotated players a lot. I sent you the snap count, and maybe that's something we'll talk about real quick as we wrap up this week. But when Gallimore comes back in, like, where does he go? Because if Osa's going to play at the three, now Gallimore's, I think, big enough to play the nose. But I'm wondering if maybe that's where he goes because he played a little bit of nose last year. Because if Osa's playing the way he does all the time, like if I mean, now granted we we move snaps around a lot, and that that's one thing that you and I are going to get into. Yeah, I mean, it's... but if if Osa's that good at the three, you're going to either have to rotate both of them in and out, or when they're both on the field, maybe Gallimore plays at the nose because Osa looked tremendous. Yeah, I. We both have the same questions when it comes to that, but what I noticed and what we we both noticed, uh, especially against the Eagles, as is the depth that we have at the defensive line and how much Quinn is willing to use each player. Uh, just a quick rundown of linemen and their snap counts. Osa played 33. Snaps. Golston played 30. That was the first game we seen, got to see Golston. Um, Justin Hamilton had 25. Brent Urban had 23. Terrell Basham had 22. And Bo, at, Bo Hanna, Quentin Bo Hanna had 21. So, that just shows that Dan Quinn's willing to use every bit of his depth. And How we, many did Parsons have? Oh, well, Parsons had 37, and Randy Gregory had 38. Okay, so that's the two DNs. Yeah, so, and um, no other defensive end played any real significant snaps other than them. So, uh, that just shows that Quinn's willing to use his whole depth. And when Gallimore comes back, I mean, that's – It's a good question, and it's a good problem to have because everybody's doing their job pretty well. And when you can add somebody like Gallimore to it, it can't get but better. So it's going to be real interesting to see how they do it. Now, whether he plays the nose or whatever, constantly moving them around. I mean, that's an option, too. So One thing that you and I talked about when we talked about this before coming on was iron sharpens iron. Gallimore, when we, we were talking about Osa, the first thing you texted me is after you started watching film on him, you texted me and you said, Adam, you got to see this guy, man. 
he's like everything Neville Gallimore was. He's everything I you said everything I saw in Neville Gallimore last year, as far as tremendous off the snap, relentless pass rusher, phenomenal motor. You know, just the fact that the fact that first and ten, fourth and fifty eight. Every snap means as much as a snap before it. And he's going to give you everything he's got on every snap. So I started watching him. and I said, man, Seth, you know, we drafted Neville Gallimore two years in a row. So I think that this is only a positive. If Osa's on, on the practice field and he makes a big play on this snap in practice, you can guarantee Neville Gallimore that that's going to fire him up and that's going to pump him up, and he's going to want to make a big play. And then Osa's going to say, oh, man, you know, that was great. Now watch this. And then it's, there's going to be this back and forth between those two guys, and there's going to be like a friendly rivalry of, you know, man, I, I, bet, I, I bet I get more sacks than you or I bet I get more quarterback hits than you or I bet I get more tackles for loss than you. And that's what you want to see. Yeah. especially out of young players, and I think that that's something you'll have here. You know, something that we didn't talk about in the off season and the first few weeks of the season, really, we didn't expect our rookies and our young players, very young players, to be the playmakers so far on this team, and that's been the case. You look at P- uh, P- uh, Mika Parsons. Was he have two sacks already? Two sacks in the last two games? All right. Osa had a sack and a half against the Eagles. I don't remember right off the bat what he had for the Chargers. Um, I want to say he got a sack in that game too. Don't quote me on that because I don't know that for sure. Um, Golston, I mean, Golston played decent for somebody that hadn't played he didn't have any preseason games. Didn't have hardly any training camp. Uh, you know, you mentioned before we talked before we started the show that you know he had a couple good plays. You know, chasing hurts uh, out of bounds. Uh, you know, one play and then pretty good. But I, I was not expecting Parsons and Osa to be our playmakers on the defensive line. That's, oh, and, that's, and, and it's young players in general. What? Because you talk about like Trayvon Diggs and everything he's made. He's a second year player. Well, we, I mean, we did talk a lot about him, but we did not speak about Parsons being an impact player on the defensive line. We didn't think he was going to be on the defensive well, line. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it just shows how much within the last couple of weeks, how much our defense has already changed. And, I understand a lot of that's mainly to injuries, but they stepping up really well and made their presence known very well. So, Mika Parsons, he's just going to be a monster in this league. I understand he's only played three games. But to excel at the linebacker position and then turn around and excel at the defensive end position, it, he's going to be a threat to deal with for a long time. Well, let's go and do a weekly status update. Is his future for you? I mean, if like, like if you got to make the call, is his future a defensive line or a linebacker? You got to make him a linebacker. I agree, I, but but he has shown that he's very capable of playing defensive end. What I'm hoping is is now obviously it's going to be a while before we get Lawrence back, 
to get Lawrence back. Hopefully, Randy Gregory continues to grow, and, and he was kind of quiet last night. But you hope you get Lawrence back. You hope Osa keeps doing what he's doing and keeps building. You hope Neville Gallimore comes back and builds on what he was doing at the end of last year. you still got Quinn Bohannon. Justin Hamilton had made some plays. We're going to get Bradley and I back. You have to hope that the defensive line's going to be a strength. And then you can – and it's it's been a strength. It, it's been yeah, – yeah. It's been a very underrated strength, and it's been a, a, a strength that we didn't think we were going to have this year, at, at least with all the injuries. and Not as quick. And, and, and the young players, which you hope the defensive line, as guys come back from injury and as guys continue to build and continue to grow, that you can put him back at his more natural position. Are there packages where you can bring him in and pass rush? I think you'd be crazy not to. Yeah, He's been too good a pass rusher to not try to utilize it or not give him some blitzes off the edge from time to time. My thing is this, though. As well as he's played defensive end, if he continues to play defensive end for the next six weeks or whatever, however long it takes for Lawrence to get back, does that put his uh, learning to play the linebacker position in the NFL behind? Because – He's putting so much time into the defensive end position. And I understand he's in the position to, to play at his best where the team needs him. Is is that something that's going to hinder him as far as playing the linebacker position when Lawrence does come back? Do you watch Hard Knocks? I did. Do you think that he's not going home after practice and probably watching film – and going through the playbook, I, I can guarantee you, I'd bet a large sum of money that you can break down a play and he can break down both the responsibilities of the defensive end and the middle linebacker. I, I'd bet it. Well, I, I understand that. Like the, the you mental can't, aspect you can't, of it. And I understand the physical aspect of yeah. it, sure. But he's got those natural instincts. The, he He took a year off last year. And was the number 12 pick in the draft. And, and Jerry Jones says we would have taken him at 10. He said he was our number one defensive rated play- He was our number one rated player on defense. Yeah. Which blew you and I away because we talked about Horn and, and Sertan, Horn and Sertan. The, the mock draft guys said, well, it's going to be Horn or Sertan at, at 10. You can just book it. And we booked it right up until pick nine when Patrick Sertan's name was called. And then we took, then we, of course, you traded out to 12. Then we took Parsons. And, you know, you and I, you know, I was a little perplexed at taking a linebacker. But the more I watch his tape and the more I've seen him on film and as you've seen his game snaps, this is a guy that loves football and this is a guy that wants to be great. I think that those natural instincts are enough. To, to cover should we tr- should we move him back to the linebacker position. And, and I'm telling you, I think he's probably just studying everyone's assignment. He probably knows what everyone's supposed to be doing. What he was wearing the he was wearing the headset. The plan yeah, was yeah. was for him to wear the headset and be the Mike linebacker. Knowing that, knowing the defensive calls that you have to make to the team, you you've got to pretty much know what everyone's doing. 
I, I can't imagine he's gone away from that. He doesn't seem like that type of player. No, I wouldn't say that he – I was talking more from the physical aspect from it. Just defensive end, you put your hand in the dirt and you go for a quarterback. That's basically what you do. Basically every play. Uh, I'm not going to say they don't drop out every now in the coverage or they do containment or whatever. But that's basically what they do. They go after the quarterback. Well, linebacker, you know, you got you got to look at so much. You got to look at the, the running backs. You got to look at the quarterbacks. You got to look at the tight ends. Uh, it's just – it's a different aspect of the game. If he's playing most of the season at defensive end and then all of a sudden you throw him back at linebacker, is he going to have some mental laps? Oh, for sure. So and that's that's that that's my biggest concern. Th- there were some plays week one where he bit on a couple play actions and it left left the passing lane behind him open and exposed. And there were some passes completed over the middle part of the field against us. For sure, there there's one hundred percent going to be a learning curve and not taking away from anything that defensive linemen do, but especially wearing the helmet, being the mic. You've got to kind of know everything that's going on, and especially a player that's as hungry as him and a player that wants to be in action and wants to be around the ball. He probably will have to relearn some discipline at the linebacker position. I think that that was something he was having to learn anyway because that got exposed a little bit week one. I think he's a good enough player, and I think he's studying hard enough, and I think he's got enough natural instincts to where that stuff will come. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm sure it will, but it, it's still something to think about because it's he's not getting those live reps at that position, so it's it's still something to think about. But overall, I wanted to throw in some context because you said that we did struggle against the tight end position. We gave up 120 or 119 yards on or at the tight end position. Uh, we gave up two for 66 to Goddard. He had one for 38 and one for 28. Uh, and then Ertz, I know he averaged 13 yards a catch, so he had four for 53 and a touchdown. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize Ertz had that many catches, but he did. Uh, so that was just some context of what you said earlier about us struggling, stopping the tight end position. And, yeah. I'm, we we play Kansas City later on this year. You, yeah. don't, you don't want to see 120, 130, 140 from Kansas City. I, well, I look for us to double down on Kelsey, double down on Hill, and make the rest of the team beat us. Because you better hope McCole Harmon's not going up one on one against Anthony Brown. Well, I'm just saying. Now, granted, that's a game for a much later date, so so we don't need to start breaking down Kansas City. Well, I'm just saying they're the only two proven players. Like Harmon's been so inconsistent. Like so, but like you said, we'll talk about that. But overall. Uh, I think a really good game. I think we need to tighten up on the tight ends a little bit. But overall, we did great. And I'm ready to jump into a week four matchup against Carolina. Yeah, I don't have anything else to add. Go ahead. Um, well, it's good news to start the week. is It's looking like no CMC. So, uh, Chubbert, Chubbert, Chubba Chuba Hubbard, Hubbard is going to be the guy. And – Royce Freeman is going to be the guy. So, that's good news to start. Uh, Darnold has – he is not 
a Jet anymore. Let's put it that way. He's, he looks very much like he did his first year as a Jet. Uh, better than he did his first So the jet. Adam Gase curse is a thing. It, you play for Adam Gase and you're an offensive player, as soon as you leave, you're going to be three times as good as you were under Adam Gase. Look, I'm just going to go ahead and say that we can thank Peyton Manning for the fact that Adam Gase was in the league anyway because that's where his big name came from, the year that they broke all them records, and <clears throat> thank Peyton Manning for that, the one that caused his own plays. But – but Darnold has played uh, light years ahead of what he did last year and the year before. So uh, this is going to be a test for our secondary because he's going to be have to step their game up because I don't see where we're going to have an issue with uh, stopping the run, not not to take anything away from Chubba Hubbard or uh, Royce Freeman. But when CMC is not on the field, you don't have to put your attention – as much towards the run game. It, he is very much so a part of their offense as far as rushing and catching. So when he's out of the game, that kind of limits the focus on that a little bit. And I think, um, you know, they, they have a really good wide receiving core. You know, they got DJ Moore, uh, Robbie Anderson, uh, Terrace Marshall. Um, He's up and coming. You know, they picked him in the second round this year, early in the second round, and, you know, he's done his part. Um, you know, those three right there are uh, – all three of them are going to be tough to stop. So, I, I definitely think Dan Quinn is going to be more on uh, stopping the pass as, a, as, as opposed to the run game. So, uh, secondary, get ready. That's all I can tell you. Uh, and get a good pass rush going, and win between the trenches. I mean, that's uh, that's one of my keys every week. And you know, if you can do that, then you know it's a good recipe for victory. So, well, with Chuba Hubbard, I mean, obviously he's not CMC. You just can't replace a thousand and thousand guys, thousand yard receiving, thousand yard rushing. You, yeah. you can't just replace those guys just start walking around on the street. But what Chuba Hubbard does bring is he's a very explosive runner. If you remember him back from his days at Oklahoma State. I do. He's an outside zone runner. If he gets to the outside, he's got world-class speed, and he can house one in an instant. Same thing we talked about against Miles Sanders. We need to keep the run inside, keep everything in between the tackles. That That's what you want to keep here. It's going to be a lot of gap assignment football along the defensive line. If it gets – if there's open lanes, Hubbard can chew up yards quick. So that's one thing we need to do. You can't just go in and say, oh, well, CMC's not there. They're not going to be able to run the ball. Because he looked pretty good last week after CMC went down. Well, yeah, I mean, that wasn't what I was saying. I'm just saying. No, no, I'm not saying yeah. that. But I'm saying that's probably what a lot of people are thinking. A lot of people are thinking, oh, well, CMC's not there. We're good. We don't even have to worry about the run. Royce Freeman's former second-round pick. It hasn't worked. In Denver, I was—I thought Royce Freeman was a decent running back coming out of Oregon. We'll see. He got five touches last week. I think he had five carries for like right at twenty yards. It's four yards a carry. You know he's going to be getting more running practice this week with CMC down. We'll see what they have in him. Hubbard's probably going to be the guy if he busts off a couple long ones, and let's say he. 
gets seven yards on first down and, and then gets a second carry and he gets five, six yards. All of a sudden then the front seven's going to start worrying about the running game. And that can open up the pass game. So you're going to have to be very disciplined, very locked into your assignment, your gap. And like you said, their wide receivers, that's one of the, that is a very, very underrated receiving core. Agreed. DJ Moore, if he's not the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL, he's top five as far as underrated. Amari Cooper is also on that list. He's another guy that's always been super underrated. Lock it. Lock Play, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. DJ Moore is – Fantastic route runner. He catches everything. He's got enough speed to burn you deep. He, he's he hasn't exploded yet, but he's had back to back twelve hundred yard seasons. You don't get those by accident. You get those by being a really really good receiver. He just hasn't had the touchdown numbers. Oh, well, look at the quarterback play that he's had to deal with too. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure, one hundred percent. So that and, says a lot. And and Darnold's looked really. I mean, Darnold's looked great this year. He's pushed the ball down the field. Terrace Marshall's gotten it. I'm glad you said Terrace Marshall. Good job. Yeah, Kudos. A lot, of, a lot of people messed that a up. A lot of people hit that Terrence, and I kind of I kind of irk a little. Um, Terrace Marshall looks like he, he's got a chance to be really strong wide receiver in the NFL. For someone this early to get that many snaps on the field and get that many targets out the gate, that's not by accident. I, that means you're a good football player. Matt Rule's not a, a slouch of a coach. He was a really good college coach. Joe Brady, their offensive coordinator. If you remember that LSU just offensive explosion that they had under Joe Burrow, that was Joe Brady. He was the offensive coordinator for that team. He's now moved up to the NFL. I think that even without CMC – they are going to have a very competent offensive game plan, and they will adjust. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And you can't – that's why I say, it, you know, as Cowboys fans, we can't just say, oh, no, CMC, easy win, we'll walk in, we'll roll them over like we did Philly. And it's a little early for that. You Now Matt Rule's had a full week. Joe Brady's had a full week to to work on a game plan without CMC and, and to, to figure out how they're going to incorporate the other guys. Well, I mean, another thing you got to think about, like, the first three weeks of the season, our biggest question mark has been the passing game. Oh, 100%. So, for a team to come in, now, we have been getting turnovers. We have been getting turnovers, but. Still leading the NFL. Yeah. In, in takeaways. Brady threw for almost 400 yards. Uh, Herbert had about 300 yards. Hertz play, threw for over 300 yards against us. So, it's been a question mark for sure. Stopping the run hasn't really been an issue for us this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean. It, One thing that will be curious, because Darnold has shown the ability to work the middle of the field. In some league news, the Panthers traded their starting tight end, Dan Arnold, and a draft pick to the Jaguars for C.J. Henderson. Uh, the former number nine overall pick, a cornerback you really loved coming out two years ago, a player that I thought was the best corner in, in that draft. And we'll see, you know, maybe just he didn't fit the Jacksonville scheme. 
maybe they're prematurely giving up on a player that went top 10 overall under a different regime for sure. But we'll see. He might not have seen eye to eye with Urban Meyer. Maybe not. Who knows? Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's it, this is one of those things. Maybe a win for both. Trevor Lawrence has shown the ability, shown the he's shown the ability and the desire to target the tight end, James O'Shaughnessy or Oshag Hennessy, depending on what you want to call him. If you watched your Keen Peel growing up, um He's hurt now. I think he's out for the year. So they wanted they they wanted a presence at the tight end position. So I think Dan Arnold's going to be a good fit there. We'll see what happens now with Dan Arnold because you're lo- or with Sam Darnold throwing to the tight end because you're looking at either Ian Thomas, the for the former early draft pick from a few years back, or you're looking at Tommy Tremble. I look for Tremble, who is a player taken in the third round out of Notre Dame, and you Notre Dame. They, you know Notre Dame can produce a tight end. They've, they've got a few good ones in the NFL. So we'll see what happens there. Now, granted, it's on a short week. That trade just went down, I think, maybe yesterday. Maybe it happened Sunday. I think it was Monday, but I can't remember. So it was, it was, it's, yeah, it's, very, new. it's very new. You, I can't imagine C.J. Henderson. We're going to run into a lot of him this week. But. The Panthers' defense has been really good. They've been really yeah. strong. Yes. Their whole first draft class under Matt Rule, everyone thought he was going to come in and just go offense, 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 because that's his background. He went the complete opposite direction. He That whole draft class was defense. And they thought we took a lot of defensive players. That whole draft class was defensive players. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look, if you look going into the season or going into the draft, I should say, you know, you didn't trade it for your your future quarterback or your franchise quarterback. CMC, obvious, he's a lock. Uh, their wide receivers are really good wide receivers. Their line is pretty good as well. And their biggest struggle was they fixed everything on the offensive side as far as struggles last year. Now time to put the put together the pieces on defense. Well, so. last year was the year when they went all defense. Well, yeah, well, they, they mixed in they mixed in you, some offense, you, but they still went defensive well, heavy this you, year for sure. You see where those second year players are starting to, you know, fit into their own or whatever. So, like you said, defensively they they look really good. The offensive look, offense looks really good. Um, this, the secondary for us, I think, is going to have to step their game. I think other than – we have went against some strong passing offenses so far this year. And we've we've held up and we've been that bend but don't break type defense. So, I think we can do it. I don't, I don't think that – there's no doubt in my mind that we can do it. Um. But I think there's going to be more pass focus. I will say, since we probably won't see C.J. Henderson, if so, you're not going to see much. I, I can't think. imagine they're going to run him out every snap. One thing that did happen last week, and one thing that probably made this trade happen, is J.C. Horn tore his Achilles. Now, I hated seeing that because man, that was a player that you and I both really fell in love with after the mock draft. Patrick Sertan went right before we picked. 
So we end up taking J.C. Horn. So, of course, you and I end up watching a lot of tape on him. And you had Sertan from easily being your cornerback one. You made it 1A, 1B after watching a lot of Horn. So I'm. it's it's a good thing we won't see him on Sunday. But, man, I hate – I hate, hate seeing I hate injuries. injuries. Yeah, you I, hate seeing it. When Fletcher Cox went down, I, I was I was talking to my wife. She was watching a game with me, and she saw me just shake my head. And she said, well, she's it's not a Cowboys plan. I said, man, I understand. I said, but these guys put their bodies on the line, and I know it's part of the job, but they put their bodies on the line each and every day, and I hate injuries affecting anything. And it just it's unfortunate to see that he won't be out there against us, against CeeDee Lamb and against Amari Cooper. Is it going to make it easier to pass the ball? Probably a little bit. But I was looking forward to actually kind of seeing him on the field. I, I trust Dak and I trust our passing game enough to where if J.C. Horn is shutting down X player or if Darius Slay from last week was shutting down X player, Dak's going to work the secondary reads, and and someone's going to have a good game. So I I was really looking forward to seeing him come on the field, and I know that that we don't like hyping up the other team too much, and we don't like talking about the other team too much. But, I, you know, I just – it's unfortunate. We we talked about him a lot. We talked about him a lot, and it was a player that that you and I were were booking in at number 10 – there was a lot of talk that Sertan's not getting past Denver. As you got close to, to draft night, you started hearing a lot of reports, Sertan's not making past nine. Sertan's not paying, making it past nine. And you don't know if it's coach speak or not. But, I mean, clearly it's not because guess what? He went nine. So we really started saying, well, if we can't get him at, at 10, and we're probably not going to trade up because Jerry kind of came out and said we're not trading up for anybody. We've got enough players there that we know one player we love is going to fall to us. We really started gearing in on J.C. Horn at 10. So I just just to say it's unfortunate we're not going to get to see him play. I wanted, I, I'm still rooting for him. I, I root for – once I start watching film on you and, and once – once we've drafted you, whether it's Seth and I or whether it's Jerry Jones that drafts you, I, I kind of become a fan and a supporter from then on. So I'm hoping he battles back and come back stronger than ever, and, and I think he will. He's, he's got that bull mentality, that, that fighter mentality in him. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him back next year stronger and better than ever. But to get back to the game, sorry I went on that tangent, their defensive line strong. They They've – They've used a lot of draft capital on the defensive line. You've got to. You talked about winning the trenches. Everything that we do starts with us being able to run the ball. E- even last week, we came out and ran the ball. We made a statement on that first drive. Our offensive line is going to go up against yet another strong defensive front. They're going to have to have another big game. You got to hope that Zeke keeps building on this momentum. Running the ball, making Dax. You talked about Dak being twenty six and zero in games in which we ran the ball more than we passed. There's probably that stats probably that because we're running the ball at the end of the game because we're ahead. But I bet we're running the ball at the end of the game because we're ahead because of how well we ran the ball at the beginning of the game to get that lead. Yeah, sure. So I think that that's going to be a big part winning in the trenches. 
Defensive line's going to have to be big again. Gap assignment. Miles Sanders had a pretty slow game against us. He had a couple big runs, but we got up early and we made it hard for them to be able to run the ball. That's something else we're going to have to do because I understand Chuba Hubbard wasn't taken nearly as high as Miles Sanders, but he can house one in a hurry. Well, if you look at – if he had came out last year, like he was – he was looking at being one of the top running backs taken last yeah, he, year. Yeah, he so, ran for 2,000 yards a couple so years ago. He faltered a little bit the following year, but he's still a really good running back. So I'm not going to write him off uh, as just being some rookie that's replacing CMC. He's, he does have the potential for sure. So I'm excited to see Trayvon Diggs match up against D.J. Moore. He made life tough for Keenan Allen. He made life tough for Mike Evans. He made life tough for Devonta Smith, even though he was a first-round pick. He was a former Heisman. Well, he was the Heisman winner last year. He was a record-breaking wide receiver. Doesn't get any easier for Trayvon Diggs. He did well. Good, good first three weeks. Now we're going to give you DJ Moore, and I'm excited to see what what he does with him because DJ Moore is a, a player I love. Seth, we we play a ton of yeah, fantasy football. Yep. You know, I got a lot of him. I've I've always felt that he was super underrated and and was a quarterback away from just exploding in the NFL. And he's had a fantastic start to the season. So I'm I'm excited to see that matchup. I'm I like seeing Diggs get these tests every week. Yet yeah, it would be nice if if we weren't going against a top rated receiver each and every week. But that's the schedule we have. And so I'm excited to see uh, Diggs rise to this challenge. Jordan Lewis is probably going to get some Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall getting a lot of he's playing a lot of big slot. That's going to be an interesting matchup. I need to give a I need to give a lot of props to Jordan Lewis. I, I've been very very down on him last year, this year, up until about five minutes ago. But man, this is the best he's looked since his rookie year. Oh yeah, no so doubt. he got the extension before this year. So it's not a money thing. He's he's not playing for money because he's already gotten it. So were the problems in the years past scheme, and I blame pretty much everything last year on the Mike Nolan scheme. You know me; I've given everyone a free pass. I haven't held I haven't held anyone back based off of that. But he didn't even looked great the last couple of years under Marinelli. So I'm wondering, we're playing a lot more man. We're getting we're getting them guys' faces a lot more. I'm wondering if this is what he should have been doing all those years. Yeah. I because think, it, it looks good for three games. Yeah, I think, you know, he got the extension. I think maybe Dan Quinn coming to the room was like, hey, you know, I really like this kid. I understand, you know, he hasn't jumped off the charts uh, the last couple of years. But something about Dan Quinn that he really, he really, really likes. And it's it's showing. It's definitely showing on the field. So and and well, Dan Quinn's a big time technician. He'll get out and he'll show you what he expects, and he'll say, "This is what you need to do on this defense." And I think players revolve around that. I think he's a big time players coach. We we got a couple friends that are Falcons fans, and they even said, "Man, the players fought for him right up until he got fired. Like they they wanted him there." until right when he got fired. So he is a player's coach, and he is an inspirer of men. And and that's big. 
and he's putting the guys in places to succeed. Now, I, you know, we've given a lot of credit to the players, but we got to give a lot of credit to Dan Quinn too. Oh yeah, no question. I mean, he's he's. You could definitely tell he just, he's completely turned his defense. He's around, probably so. our best offseason acquisition, right? Oh, e- yeah. Even over yeah. Mika Parsons and Osa and Oh yeah, without question. Yeah, I mean he's what he's done with the defense so far. Yet he, again, it's only been three weeks, but the difference from week sixteen, week seventeen last year to week three this year is huge. It it <laughs> Even the plays, other than those couple plays where we just looked out of alignment in the no huddle against the Eagles, other than those, even when teams have gotten plays off on us, it looks like the other teams have just made good plays. It looks like we understand the defense. We Guys understand what they need to do. And we're leading the NFL in takeaways. That That means Quinn is putting guys in position to make plays. Agreed. A lot of times when you're in position to make plays, sometimes you're going to give up a play as well. But there's something he's doing right. It looks, just man, a lot better than the Mike Nolan defense from last year. Yeah, I agree 100%. But to jump back on the game a little bit, um, you know, you said something about Diggs, you know, covering more. Uh, I see him a lot. I see him a lot on that island with Moore this week, um, unless Moore really starts giving him problems, which I don't see because of the way Diggs has been playing. But you never know. My biggest concern is is still going to be Brown going against Robbie Anderson. A lot of speed. Uh, he's got a lot of speed, and I think we're going to have to use safeties quite a bit to give him some help. I I don't want the fact that. More Anderson and Marshall's on the field. I don't want to lose the fact that they still have tight ends on the field. And like you said against the Eagles, that was a big issue. You know, uh, we struggled the first half against the Chargers uh, for the tight end. Gronk had two touch, ninety yards and two touchdowns against us. It, it, it's it's now becoming a theme. After three weeks, the tight end position has been. Uh, the issue, and I don't want Ian Thomas. He's you know he's not been the guy that me and you thought he was going to be last year, and coming into this year, and then Tremble. You talked about him earlier. Uh, I think he's a candidate to be a breakout player here very soon. I'm hoping that's not against us, but I don't want us uh, to lose track of them in trying to stop the other three because I think they can make they can do. Big time damage, and it's already been a struggle for us. So, um, I just don't want to see that to happen. I, we already know the keys, you know. Like you said before, it's the trenches. Got if you win on both sides of the ball, um, odds are you know you're gonna be in victory lane at the end of the game. Um, being able to, because I don't know that you stop Darnold. I think you uh, slow them down. And the best way to slow them down is, like you said, is to run the football. Because if Darnold's not on the field, then he can't do anything. So, running the football is going to be huge for us. Uh, Dak doing his normal uh, 
dink and dunk or whatever you want to call it to continue drives on those third and fours, third and fives or whatever. Um, and the secondary just needs to step up. Other than that, uh, I have all the confidence in the world being at home that we can win this game. The way they played against the Eagles uh, in dominant fashion, they've already played with so much adversity the first two weeks of the season. And I, I, I feel strong about our ability to win this game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. There's not a lot for me to input. You, you added in some things. That there were some specific things that I was going to highlight. The Brown versus Anderson matchup. I already talked to Lewis versus Terrace Marshall and kind of the size difference, and we'll see what happens there. You you nailed everything that I was going to say. It it um. That it's just the NFL. You know, it's it's it's, it's usually those few key matchups that 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 decide games, and those few key factors that decide games. And and you nailed absolutely every single one of them. There's not a lot I can add. I, I definitely want to see a bounce-back game from Connor Williams. I want to see a bounce-back game from Tyler Biotis. This is another fantastic interior defensive line. If, if they struggle the way they did against Philly, eventually there are going to be plays made in the backfield that are going to put us behind the chains. And it's just it's not somewhere that we want to live as an offense, and it's not how we succeed. So that's the one thing I'll add to, to everything that you said. And with that, Seth, I don't think we have a lot more to talk about tonight. We talked, we reviewed last week and, and almost to the every degree that you can. And, and we talked about the big matchups for next week. We talked about the keys to victory. And um, we'll be back next week as we break down, hopefully, a three-game win streak um, when we defeat the Carolina Panthers, it's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm sure that's what you're hoping for as well. Oh, I'm ready. And with that, guys, we want to thank you for the support as always. And we're just going to keep asking the same things we ask every week. You know, get out there, comment on the Facebook page. A lot of the listeners we know are on the Facebook page. It's, it's growing. It's getting bigger. We're adding – we're still adding a, a, a one or two people here and there every single week, and we're, we're really trying to build that community there. And if you can just tell one friend about uh, the podcast, if you start talking Cowboys with another friend, if you, if you don't mind, if we, all we can ask is that you just even mention the podcast and, and just, yeah, I was listening to, you know, Back Road Cowboys show and, and blah, blah, blah. And it, that's how this thing grows and that's how this thing gets bigger is word of mouth because, unfortunately, we don't have a big network pushing us. We don't have someone out there advertising for us and, and so word of mouth and, and that and these things are usually built pretty slow and that's what we're trying to do just build this thing up slow and, and and see the longer picture and just we're just we're enjoying the ride and we're glad that you're here with us to enjoy the ride and uh seth why don't you give us your social media account as we sign off it's at seth rob 85 i'm at a underscore bo 615 we still have the twitter page it's at back row cowboys and i've already talked about it but we're just gonna keep pumping up that facebook page it's the best thing we got going and Join us on there, all the articles and everything we talk about, and, and we're starting to generate some discussion there, and we're going to hope to build on that. And with that, thanks, everyone. Have a great night, and as always, go Cowboys.